Uh, Jay, I see that you're in a good mood today. You're over there laughing, but I gotta tell you, I'm deeply terrified right now. Oh God, why? I'm scared of pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> did not expect you to say that. <laughs> okay, I, maybe I'm not, but... <laughs> Nonetheless, it's October, so let's get out and check out some ghost towns. Ooh, yes. This okay. is, after all, Exploring the North Shore. With? Joe. And Jay. <laughs> Okay, so today we're talking about ghost towns. Indeed. But we aren't at the ghost town. We wanted to do a luxurious description of, uh, well, actually it comes back to my fear of pumpkins. And, <laughs> uh, I just needed a safe place to talk about some of these ghost towns, even though really a ghost town isn't necessarily a scary place. Not, yeah, yeah. You know. Although I will say of the two ghost towns I picked, the only thing that pretty much remains of those ghost towns are their cemeteries. So, kind of a spooky element there <laughs> if you have a thing with cemeteries. Yeah, again, I don't know. Is a cemetery a, a scary place? I guess in films and things it, it would be, but um, in like general culture, is a cemetery really a scary place? It's a, it's almost either a... I would, I would think if I died and I came back and was going to haunt something, I wouldn't pick the cemetery. I would pick a place or a particular person. So I don't know. I don't see... But you, you hear those stories about like the figure walking through the cemetery. And I will say I live by a cemetery and every Halloween at about nine o'clock at night, a car rolls past our house and the only place you can go from there is the cemetery. Hmm. And I know they're going back there to freak themselves out or do something, which is fine. You yeah. know, they're, you know, probably teenagers having fun. But one of these days, I'm going to get my stuff together on Halloween night and I'm going to be back there. <laughs> Jump out. <laughs> I don't know, rig, rig like something to fly across the, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll look forward to a report on that. <laughs> but it definitely is something people go to to scare themselves. Yeah, I suppose there's a sense of, I mean, a cemetery, but a ghost town. A yeah. ghost town is more like, I think they're they're just interesting pieces mm -hmm. of the past, relics of the past, a, a place where, you know, we actually went to a mm -hmm. ghost town already, Tag Night Harbor on... Episode the, 3. Episode 3, and um, it didn't give me a vibe at all of being scary. It was just interesting to think about, wow, there was a building here and people their neighbor here. was there. Yeah. That whole concept is really interesting. But if you go off that idea, you know, if you if you think of the town you grew up in, you're like, oh, I really loved that town. So maybe that is where somebody's spirit goes when they die. They want to go back to that place that they loved. So maybe there are spirits walking around these ghost towns because it was a community and it was a place. And I mean, I, I just researching some of these, they seem like fun places to live. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially up here on the North Shore, they're super isolated communities where... I mean, kids couldn't even leave to go to school. They would actually have to board someplace to go to school mm -hmm. because they couldn't get buses there or anything like that. And they're so far away that if you're a teenager, you go off and everybody else just kind of stays behind. So I imagine if you only have 350 people in your town and you're isolated for three months out of the year, 
You get pretty close. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, so here's what we did, Jay, for everybody that's listening on the podcast right now. We picked four locations that are ghost towns here in the North Shore area. They're not right on Lake Superior. They're in the general oh, vicinity. Yeah, but, you know, for the yeah. most part, they're they're inland a little ways. Mm-hmm. But um, they're pretty hard to find a lot of information about. Um, so we're here to point you in the right direction. If you're into history or you just want to go visit some beautiful, interesting places in the area, we hope that you'll find our suggestions useful. On that note, Jay, you know what we need is a way for our listeners to be able to contact us. We got to set up some kind of a... Facebook page? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but not everybody uses Facebook. Like you? Like me, for example. (laughs) So, loyal listeners, uh, this is is our official call to action. We will soon have a way to directly get a hold of us. Like an email account of some kind. So... Look forward to that in one of the next episodes. But for today's purposes, hopefully our directions to get you where we're essentially sending you work Makes out. Makes sense. And yeah. Because my first place, Jay, that I wanted to talk about is called Forest Center. Um, it's about 40 miles from Ely. And even back in the day, this Forest Center was totally isolated from the rest of the world by design, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and oddly enough, it kind of had this whole 1950s suburbia Northwoods, actually, not just like figuratively, literally white picket fences around some of the houses. And it was this like 1950s America. But literally in the middle of nowhere. Baking cookies in the <laughs> oven. Hi, honey. Welcome home kind of thing going on. So um, it was this. Yeah, it was, out in the middle of nowhere, largely built around industry logging, primarily. Uh, it had school, a restaurant, coffee shop, community center, general store, two churches, post office. So we're talking like a town here, Forest Center. Industry kind of went by the wayside. Things changed. Um, actually, because of the proximity to where the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness is now, the town dissolved. I mean, went away. Literally, there's, there's nothing left. And you know, kind of coincided with the peak of uh, logging industry, but really directly to the BWCA implementation. I've got a couple side notes that I'm going to get into in a minute about this area in particular, but um, whatever was left of this town, J4 Center, Bagami Creek Fire, a huge mm-hmm. wildfire um, on the west kind of central part of the BWCA obliterated any remnants of forest center i mean it's you'd be hard pressed to find anything left of it now um even people who actually lived there back in the day who've returned we did find this little bit out say it's you can't recognize anything so this this isn't going to be like a town in the sense of um where we stopped there's no uh, roads left yeah Well, well there is a road left but it's 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 part of the powwow trail now, yeah. which I'll get to in a second. But um, it's more or less like at Tacnai Harbor, we could see like foundation. And it was like, this is where this town was. There's yeah. even, what did we see? Like a street there's light. There's a road. Right there's one Harbor. street light. There's like the curb that you can still see. Mm-hmm. And there's the sewer drains and all that. None of that going on nope. at Forest Center. So you're essentially going for 
you're just going to have to kind of feel it out, I guess. Well, but... 1964, right, was mm -hmm. when the Boundary Waters kind of had its established mm -hmm. boundaries, and that's when logging was cut off there. So if you think about that, since 1964, nature is pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. And Taconite Harbor is almost gone. I would say give it another 20 years. That place would be gone, and that was 1991, 92, somewhere around there. So add... 30 more years onto that and that's what you're seeing now and the fire of course didn't help and the fire so okay now here's how you can find this area if you're going well where is it how do we find it and you 40 miles from ely is not a very good direction to get <laughs> so what you want to do is probably type in or google um isabella lake entry point um or the powwow trail starting point that that would be yep two ways to get okay here's where i am because the four center site is actually now a parking lot used for that entry point a resource who if you want to learn anything about this area and particularly the powwow hiking trail a gentleman by the name of martin kubik who is the director founder of a, the boundary waters advisory committee they have a website and everything and martin lives in saint paul Comes up here every chance he gets. Loves, with a capital L, to hear <laughs> from random people uh, to talk about this area and the Powwow Trail. But just anything about the history of this area. Uh, Boundary Waters Advisory Committee. Type that into Google. There's a number on there. It's a 651, I think, phone number. Call it up and say, hey, I heard from Joe and Jay on a podcast. I'm in Grandma Ray. I got a question about Forest Center. He'll fill you in. He can probably least. tell you what any remnant that might be left there were mm -hmm. to look for it. Yeah, he would. He'd be more than happy to. Um, so that is a ghost town. That's one of our ghost towns here. Forest Center. It's not, you're not going to find much in the way of, um, you know, remnants of the town, but it's a, at the very least, just a remote, beautiful, yeah. great spot. You can go on a hike on the Pow Wow Trail. Beck Martin is uh, here in 2019. Uh, told me recently here in September that the trail is now partially restored from the fire and the blowdown and it's it's passable for uh, about the first six miles like anybody could go hike it and as you said that's actually on the old logging road from the Tomahawk Timber Company like that is now the trail so it's relatively flat and easy to travel. A lot of good things to go check out there. I would put it on your list for Center, yeah. a ghost town. And it's it's a cool hike. It's an interesting lake. So yeah, all in all, even if you're just going there to check it out and look around, it's pretty. You're not going to see much of the town, but you can kind of like, again, we're talking more about the spirit of the town, I guess mm -hmm. you could say. Um, the one I wanted to mention is actually Sawbill Landing, which is located just down the road. So we, we cut, did kind of paint Forest Center to be this isolated, nobody else around. But actually there was another community near, nearby. And the reason I like Sawbill Landing was because I have something of a connection to Sawbill Landing, and that is one of my coworkers at um, Cascade. His name is Augie. His dad was actually the last sheriff of Sawbill Landing, and Whoa. that was a town that wasn't built by a company. So most of these are company towns. You know, the what was it? The timber Tomahawk Timber Company. Tomahawk Timber Company built that town for those people. Yeah. The people made it the community, but the company built the town. Mm -hmm. Sawbill Landing was the people who just sort of said, we don't want to live in a company town. So a group of people went and right at the landing of the railroad, mm -hmm. they started their own town. 
They're like, we're just going to have a town and we're going to put it right here. Mm-hmm. And I believe, let me see here, 1940s. So around the same time as Forest Center started up, Sawbill Landing started up and kind of the same thing. You know, they had the school, the cafe, the coffee shop, the rec center. Yeah, I think, I think you talk about these towns and people always reference that rec center you know, where you have the dances and you can kind of picture the 1950s sock hop type dances. I would totally be there. If I, oh yeah. Yeah. Actually, I feel like you wouldn't. I feel like you're so antisocial. <laughs> You mean I'd be out, like, alone You'd be fishing out. in a canoe? I was going to say, there'd be a river nearby that you would be in Talking fishing. Talking about how society has shortchanged me yet again. You'd be like, I can hear that music. <laughs> but I'm not interested in <laughs> I'm I'm completely on board with that. I yes, rather, you're right. I like 1950s Joe. Um, <laughs> and again, prospered for many years until that 1964 year hit, and... Logging just sort of fizzled out, and then the need for the railroad fizzled out, so they mm. ripped it up, and now there's just nothing there. So Sawbill Landing, like, what's this in reference to Sawbill Canoe Outfitters in Cook County? And so you, it's not quite the same. In fact, Sawbill Landing is in Lake County, yeah. and it's closer to Forest Center, so it's closer actually to the town of Isabella, which mm-hmm. is where most of the families after. Sawbill Landing and Forest Center ceased to be. A lot of those families kind of trickled down into the um, Isabella, Finland, Silver mm-hmm. Bay areas, hmm. which is how I, I know all these people because that's where I grew up. Yeah. And just sort of found other things to do. Mm-hmm. Just sort of found other things to do and other places to go and mostly then hopped kind of over into the shipping and mining processing industries because that's what was around after that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what you did up here. You went from one industry to another as those industries kind of died. And then again in 1989, the taconite industry was hit and Silver Bay was literally on the verge of becoming a ghost town. Mm-hmm. I want to say it went down to a few hundred, I mean, from a couple thousand, from a really vibrant community to almost nothing. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, you know, my family moved there in 92, but from the mid 80s until that point, I mean, you could almost go into Silver Bay and I'm, I'm told this story from someone who claims it was true. They showed up on vacation and every house in town, well, not everyone, but the empty houses were for sale for $10,000. Mm. You could buy a house for 10000 So they mm. bought three of them. Yeah. Thinking either this is going to be a really good investment mm-hmm. or this is going to, the entire yeah. town or will cease lose, to be. Or you lose 30 grand or whatever. Yeah, which I guess 30 grand for them was not a whole lot. Yeah. So Or you got three places to sleep. Yeah. I mean, assuming the sewers don't stop working and the water mm. isn't turned off and yeah. the electric grid doesn't go down. <laughs> you know, those are the things you have to think about. Yeah. I mean, that's why most of the people actually saw the landing. Half of it was in the Boundary Waters. So those half actually had to move out mm. of their houses and just abandon them. And... The other half were like, we're going to stick it out. And then they couldn't. Yeah. Well, so what exists now if you were sending people to this you, location? What are they going to find? It's about the same thing as Forest Center. So mm. these are the two towns that we kind of picked to feature that just don't exist anymore. Okay. There's nothing there. But it will accept now the Powwow Trail, Lake mm-hmm. Isabella, the Boundary Water, you access to the Boundary Waters. Mm-hmm. There is, I'm told... A, you can kind of tell where there was an intersection of a street. It's just, again, a place that used to exist completely ceases to exist. Just completely falls off the map. Mm-hmm. Now, the next two we're going to talk about, those two are down in Lake County. These next two are in Cook County. 
And there is actually something left of both of them. Well, so Mineral Center is the one that I'll uh, talk about. It's pretty far up the shore. I mean, you go through Grand Marais, you continue north or east, however you want to think that, going up Highway 61. <laughs> um, for people who are listening to the podcast from outside the area, you would think you're continuing north, right, on Highway 61. Uh, but based on a map or just local When you look dialogue, down at your car's dashboarding, you see the direction you're going in, it will say east or yeah. northeast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the debate, that could be a whole other episode. Uh, so anyway, continue on Highway 61. Follow the shoreline. Past Grand Marais. Um, and you get to Hovland, which is a, a town that many people know about, uh, if you've ever been up the North Shore, and you continue past Hovland. So now you realize you're getting out there a ways. Um, there is an area known as, well, there's Mineral Center Road. It's something that um, the county commissioners here in Cook County talk about, Mineral Center Road. There's been some construction on it in 2019, and it's a pretty well-established road at this point. Um, it's right on the Grand Portage Reservation, um, so that's something definitely you should keep in mind. But uh, the Lake Superior shoreline, the connection to Knife River where we've been, right, Jay, on mm -hmm. the podcast, and French River, um, opened up the reservation to white settlers, the passage of this Nelson Act. So these people that were down in Knife River, French River, um, and we're going way back, 1889, mm -hmm. the Nelson Act, uh, they, they wanted to continue north, the, the mineral rush, and what's going on, what's up there? So these people from Black River Falls, Wisconsin, if you've ever heard of that, Jay, I don't know, how often you get over to Wisconsin, but it, it, I've seen it on road signs. I've actually been there one time, oddly enough, uh, on my way to Madison to Canucopia. But uh, anyway, <laughs> so we uh, 15 miles inland from Hovland, uh, the first settlers that came from Wisconsin wanted to come up, check it out. What they found was rivers full of fish minerals and beautiful land and so literally your dream come true uh yeah <laughs> i'm not much into extraction of minerals and natural resources per se but the land certainly would call to me definitely uh so then you know people started going there i mean these these families relocated they're like yes they actually went down to duluth and said we want to we want this land Please. sign me up yeah put us down for this uh, so the first settlers there established the homestead of the property. Mineral Center had some rough going at the at the start of it. There was a wildfire that kind of impacted the town. And just as it was getting started, they persevered, kept going. Um, so the population actually got to around 350 people by 1930. Which is actually a pretty sizable community for the area back then. Yeah, three schools, if that tells you anything. <laughs> Uh, post office church, you know, the, the others that you mentioned, community center, general mm -hmm. store, and so forth. Uh, oddly enough, tourism, Jay, is what helped Mineral Center thrive. Even back then? Yes. <laughs> uh, people from the Twin Cities. I mean, because it's so beautiful up there. Mm -hmm. if, I don't know how often you get up, you know, past Hoagland and so forth or inland from there. It's definitely... A different world. And I think a lot of people come up and they maybe stop in Grand Marais. Mm -hmm. You got to keep going. Yeah. There's and, some beauty up there that you don't see. Yeah, exactly. And, it, uh, you know, we've been up there. I mean, we did an episode at uh, 
Grand Portage, and and uh, you can hear that episode for more information about what else is up there. But this is way remote. This is actually kind of closer to the Rose Lake area. If you like, listen to that episode. We're talking about those Canadian vistas, and that's mm-hmm. kind of in between the two areas. Yeah, and then um, the area was doing well. Faded out, actually, uh, rightfully so here, because the uh, federal government purchased the homesteads back, said, you know what, this was, uh, we made a mistake here, and gave the land back to the Grand Portage tribe in 1940. Um, so the the buildings, the homes, and Mineral Center were uh, moved to other communities or just dismantled altogether. Um, however, the cemetery still there. And in 2010, actually, a renovation uh, went underway at the cemetery, and it's now open to visitors. So, because we're, we've mentioned this remote, isolated, <laughs> this is even more than the Isabella Lake area where we yeah. were talking before. Uh, but to get there, you take Old Highway 61, uh, County Road 89, if you're using Google Maps or something, County Road 89, you, you'll know that you're on the right way until it intersects with Mineral Center Road, and that will appear as County Road 17. That's where the construction has been taking place in 2019. Uh, the cemetery is located near the intersection right there of these two roads, Old Highway 61 and Mineral Center Road. So that would be a chance to go take a look at this ghost town, Mineral Center. It's beautiful up there, Jay. Um, Very isolated. And uh, just be respectful definitely when you're up there because it's uh, it's on the reservation. So yeah. you want to keep that in mind. But uh, yeah, it was a, the, maybe the first tourism economy. Hub. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting to think about because that's, of course, now what kind of makes the economy go on the North Shore is the tourism industry. Yep. I actually, looking at pictures of that place, one of my favorite was some guy in a suit on the back of a horse, like a oxen pulled cart. And that was one of the things, like come up here and ride on these oxen carts. And mm-hmm. it was a novelty. Um, and just kind of interesting to think that not a lot has changed actually. Well, I mean, a lot has changed, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. the fact that tourism was a thing back then and mm-hmm. is pretty much what drives the community now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. and. So what's your other spot? And then I got a couple other things that I wanted to um, get into about the month of October and the fact that, you know, where we're sending people in conjunction with like the time of year and weather and stuff. But uh, I want to hear your other spot. Well, the reason, okay, so this last one is the one that is, people have probably already been there or at least driven past it and not even realized that they were driving past a ghost town. It's kind of like Tag Night Harbor and that it's right along Highway 61. But in this case, uh, the town I'm about to talk about, it still has a building that still exists and you can actually go into that said building, which is kind of cool to think that uh, preservation efforts were made on a particular building, which I'll get to in a minute. And the reason we're actually sitting in the house where we are sitting right now to record this is because this house is less than a mile away from where that ghost town was. In fact, if you go down to the beach area here, you can see part of it, that point at the end there. So we are at Agate Bay, which is a uh, house for rent from Cascade Vacation Rentals. Again, the sponsors of this podcast. So there's their plug. Uh, use promo code podcast if you book through Cascade Vacation Rentals. Definitely check out Agate Bay, one of my favorite houses, because Agate Bay is named for the beach in which it sits on. 
I'm Happens told to there are agates. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. I don't know. You were down there looking earlier. Did yep. you find any? Uh, I did, actually. Yes. Oh, hey. Yes. And I you. left them there, too. There you go. So you have a chance to come find them yourself. There's at least two of them down there. <laughs> <laughs> On the whole beach. Yeah. Two agates. All right. At least two. <laughs> so anyway, mm. that's why we are recording that here, because it's the closest we could get to actually recording indoors in a somewhat sound controlled manner but also be very close to this. And the ghost town I am talking about is called Chippewa City, and it is located right outside of Grammaray. And in fact, it is now a part of Grammaray. It's been kind of amoebaed into it, I guess. But back in the uh, back in the 1890s, around the time that Nelson Act kind of opened up certain areas of the North Shore to white settlers, they started building Chippewa City, which was kind of a meeting between the natives and then these white settlers that were coming up to kind of build a city together, I guess is kind of how they they looked at it. A few famous people that actually lived in that community that names you would recognize are George Morrison, the artist, was actually born in Chippewa City, and John Bear Grease lived in Chippewa City with his family. So if um, he's famous for his mail delivery and now dog sled race that is named after him. So those are just some of the, you know, a lot of names came out of that community. Uh, Chippewa City thrived for generations. And what started its downfall was actually in 1901 when the highway was expanded past Grand Marais, it cut through the community, took out a lot of the houses where people were living and they either you know, moved to other houses in the community or they left the community and probably came into Grand Marais more, more than likely because people were now coming into Grand Marais. And then um, in 1907, there was a wildfire. I feel like that's another kind of common theme here. A lot well, of wildfires. Here's the thing about wildfire now. Um, there are probably many more of them than we realize because they get put out most often. I mean, I think, you know, at least this summer in 2019, um, for sure one that would have been a now significant wildfire was put out mm-hmm. up the Gunflint Trail and probably others and potentially people were just, you know, using fire more for various purposes, heating yeah. or, I mean, cooking. So I think fire was just more prevalent and harder to contain yeah. back in the day. So that could be a, a yeah. link or that's just an, a, an assumption, I guess. But. As it so happens for this particular wildfire in Chippewa City, there was a government boat that was offshore doing, I couldn't actually figure out what that boat was out there doing, but the sailors from there came actually into the community and helped fight the wildfire. And that's what saved the building that still stands. Hmm. And that is the St. Francis Xavier Church. So if you are driving out of Grand Marais, and if, you, if you're picturing it now in your head, like right when you leave town, in fact, it still kind of feels like you're in town a little bit because there's still houses. Mm-hmm. There's this white church on the right-hand side, uh, and that's it. That's, yeah. and it. There's a big sign that says Chippewa City. So that church actually was a, they call it the joy of the community. So they collected money as a community to build this church. And it was actually constructed in uh, 1895, and the name Father Joseph Specht is the guy who built it. And that's a pretty well, and the name comes up a lot. When I was doing research for this, Father Joseph Specht, his, his name emerged for other things that he was 
connected with. Uh, the building was actually built in the French style by an Ojibwe carpenter named Frank Wishkop. And Frank Wishkop is actually buried in the cemetery hmm. located also in Chippewa State. So there's also a cemetery back there. It's, it's set back on the non-Lakeside Highway 61. But I was walking around there yesterday and I, I saw Frank's gravestone. I was like, hey, wow. I know that name. That's yeah. the guy that built the church. Hmm. And it was uh, built in hand-hewed dovetailed timber so kind of a cool you know just the architecture of it is pretty cool mm -hmm. um, it served as the only catholic church for all of the Gramaray area from about 1895 until 1916 when saint john's was built in town but everybody from Gramaray would go there it was a pretty you know catholic catholicism back then mm -hmm. was a growing and kind of a bigger deal so you know they used that church a lot and then when they kind of outgrew it and the one in Grammaray was built. The one in Chippewa City started seeing less and less use. Also, the uh, 1918 flu epidemic wiped through the area. Mm -hmm. Took out a lot of people, unfortunately. Uh, there's a lot of gravestones from about that time. And I'll get to the cemetery in a minute, because the cemetery is kind of an interesting story, too. But a lot of people, unfortunately, didn't survive, and the town started dwindling. And then kind of the, the nail in the coffin, so to speak, for Chippewa City was the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. Whatever was left couldn't survive. They moved out of the area. A lot of the houses were then, you know, kind of the same old story, dismantled, moved away, used as scrap wood, whatever, you know. But what was left was the church, which served its last mass on Christmas of 1936, and then sat empty for about 20 years. And that was when the Lions Club and the Catholic Church came in and said, this is a historic building. We need to renovate it. They went into this big renovation. And then in, in 1998, the church was donated to the Cook County Historical Society and then also added to the National Register of Historic Places. And that is the building you can go in. So it's open on the weekends for about two hours mm -hmm. on Saturday and Sunday. And very randomly, and I actually... Instant regret. We should have recorded this in that church because it's open today for some reason. Mm -hmm. It's what, But Tuesday? there were all kinds of people there was, hanging out yeah. over there too. So there was an event or... Uh, Had to have been something. Yeah. Um, hmm. I, I just happened to go past there earlier because I was going to get pictures and noticed a lot of cars and the open sign was out. So there's a kind of a roadside sign they set up when it's open. But during the summer months, so basically May through October, on Saturday and Sunday from about noon to two, you can go into the church... And within the church, they have a piece of paper where people have plotted out where people are buried in the cemetery. Because in addition to all of Chippewa City getting abandoned, so is the cemetery. So if you go to the cemetery, it's divided into two sides. The right-hand side is the old side, and then the left-hand side. And I'm, I'm saying old and new, but we're talking like some of those new you know, the new side has some that go back to the 1940s, too. Mm -hmm. So it, they're, it's not new in the sense that it's an active cemetery. Yeah, I, I think, actually, somebody was buried back there in 2014. Okay. And that was the last time I'm aware of anybody being placed back there upon mm -hmm. their death. So mm -hmm. it's an old cemetery all around. But on that side, they had, like, the mausoleums or what are those called? Where, like buildings where people were buried in mm. yeah i'm not, not sure the term but in but i mean underneath but mm -hmm. those kind of started to crumble and fall apart and unfortunately rather than trying to preserve them like they did up in mineral center they took them out 
So a lot of the gravestones are gone. And if you look on the right-hand side of the cemetery now, you'll see maybe a dozen that have remained. One of them, again, is Frank's and his brother, who I can't remember his name, but I know it's two wish cops back there. I'm assuming they're brothers, but Mm -hmm. you can't make out a lot of them. They're worn. They're kind of, you know, fading and falling apart a little bit, but they are trying to preserve that now, and they're trying to renovate it and at least put some markers back. So to do that, they're trying to figure out where people are buried. If you go into the church, enough people have come together to be like, okay, I think this is where so-and-so is, or I believe this is so-and-so's grave. So the few of them have been kind of plotted out and that's found in the church. So if, if that sort of thing interests you, kind of that reservation process it is currently ongoing. I don't know how quickly it's ongoing because mm-hmm. I actually live in Chippewa City. So I will say it's a now, it is once again populated. There are homes on it. And so I, when I was first moving into the neighborhood, I looked up my address to just, I don't know. (laughs) I feel like that's something you do. Sure. Like, let's see what went on here. And I did find an article from like 2012 that talked about the renovation. And we're now in 2019. And Mm -hmm. as far as I know, aside from that, map in the church not a whole lot has been done i'm guessing it costs a lot of money and probably takes a lot of time and manpower to figure out something like that you know this over 100 and what 20 year old cemetery mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to restore it is i imagine not easy but it's at least maintained now and it's not overgrown it's kind of a nice pleasant place to be yeah a lot of raspberries grow there yeah um, nice and- Cool. Well, so those are four. The this is definitely uh, Chippewa City. Definitely the easiest to mm-hmm. access if you're coming to the North Shore, or uh, particularly if you're in the Grand Marais area. But they're all all four ghost towns, and it fits right in here with the month of October. Um, and so Jay, I wanted to say, if you go to particularly uh, Mineral Center, Forest Center, Sawville, that you you know, there's going to be some change in the weather. Um, you know, are you going to say the S word? No, not at all. What, what are you hearing? <laughs> and not that S word. You mean S N O W. Yeah, that word. Yes. Um, I, it's possible. It's certainly snowed in October before many, many times mm-hmm. here in Northern Minnesota in, in the month of October. But I was thinking more, just bring some warm clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe, be prepared that the roads might be really either wet or Rough. muddy or just, yeah, a little bit. These are some off the beaten path type things. So just keep that in mind. Um, I'm sure a, a, any standard car can probably get to all of these spots, but just keep that in mind that October is different than July. You know, what makes me uh, reading about this and like looking at the pictures. They used to take a Ford Model T down those roads in the middle of winter. Mm-hmm. If a Ford Model T can make it down those roads, yeah. why can't my Forerunner? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. We're coming up here. And it's actually an awesome time to be up here right now. There's the crowds have largely kind of moved away mm-hmm. for the summer. Uh, you'll have a lot of room to just kind of relax and roam and, and enjoy it and then still uh, be able to come back to town if you want and have a nice meal or whatever you want to do. But October is an awesome time to be up here. And these would be something I'd want to go check out for sure. I always pictured this as kind of being, you know, this is maybe your fifth or sixth time up on mm-hmm. the North Shore. Mm-hmm. 
and you're like, well, what can I do that I haven't done yet? Mm -hmm. Or maybe you live here. Yes. Confession, I've only actually been to, well, I've, I've been in the area of Forest Center and mm -hmm. Sawbill Landing not realizing they had once upon a time been there. I've never been as far up as Mineral Center Road. Hmm. And I mean, obviously I've been to Chippewa City because mm -hmm. I live there, but yeah. <laughs> sure. I would hope I've been there. Um, but yeah, so it's something that you can do. It's a little bit off the beaten path, mm -hmm. a little bit different than what I think most tourists will do. Yeah. In the meantime, you can go on a little hike or check out a lake or just walk around a very, very old cemetery. I don't mm -hmm. know. like yeah. And so you mentioned earlier about Cascade Vacation Rentals, Jay, and um, the Agate Bay property. Is the uh, promo for just this property or is it for what? You can use the... it for any property. Just enter podcast into, well, there's a few exceptions, I should say. We have a mm -hmm. few properties that do not participate in any specials at all. But other than that, you can use it for any. So if you want to stay up by Hoveland, we have, of course, several up there that are awesome, as mm -hmm. well as this amazing house on Aga Beach in yeah. Minnesota or in uh, Grand Marais. Yeah. And so what do you type in or what's the podcast podcast? Okay. And it changes whatever the percentage it's It's a fluctuating special. So one day it might be one thing. The next day it might be another. It just depends on the other specials we're running. Cause this one is actually the best special that we have at any given time. So if I am running a 20% off special for something else, this one will be 21. Okay, great. <laughs> or 20.5. So type in whatever podcast in. into yes. the CVR promo code. Okay. And then I want to just quickly say um, credit for a lot of this information. I, I Googled like crazy, but where I found myself finding most of the information was the Cook County Historical Society website. They also have a museum in downtown Grand Marais that is a treasure trove, literally, of relics and information from this time that we're talking about which is basically we just went from the 1890s up to about 1964 ish mm -hmm. time uh, so a lot of information we found there as well as the book minnesota's lost towns northern edition by Rhonda, i guess fox is how i pronounce this last name mm -hmm. f-o-c-h-s if you want to look this up uh, that book was incredible. It doesn't only cover, like, like in Cook County, we talked about, but every single county. This lady just went around to all these communities and talked to people in them. And, or, you know, obviously they're all gone. They're ghost town. But she mm -hmm. found people who used to live in them and would talk to them for the book and would just, you know, really get into it. So she has a wonderful series of books on Minnesota's ghost towns. So if that's the sort of thing that interests you, Believe it or not, there's probably one near you, mm -hmm. and you can find that out in Rhonda's book. So again, that is Minnesota's Lost Towns Northern Edition. Okay. Well, I mentioned at the top, Jay, how I was scared of pumpkins. <laughs> uh, you know, the best way to get over that fear? Eat one! <laughs> I thought you were going to say kick one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. No, eat it. I love to eat pumpkin, pumpkin soup and seeds roasted. Yes. And, uh, oh, yeah. Any, I make any a sweet and savory pumpkin seeds mm. which is right a fun on. combination yeah cool maybe i'll let you try some i'll train I... some of my soup for some of your seeds i don't eat soup pumpkin soup <laughs> <laughs> all right well we'll battle this out uh elsewhere we got to get rolling and uh, let's go check out some of these ghost towns yes and then uh, a couple weeks from now we will be back with another october-esque halloweeny Theme -y. Maybe we'll 
find a haunted house to go into and record an episode. Okay, you're going in first. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, this has been Jay. And Joe. And this is Exploring the North Shore. And we will be back with a new episode in two weeks.